With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In a noisy, stressful world, quiet is the most valuable commodity. And the cabin of every Lincoln vehicle is designed with this principle in mind. Should you desire a little more melody, our available Revel Audio system will not disappoint. The very same engineering that makes for a whisper-quiet interior provides a studio-like setting in which to rock out to your music. Finding harmony all around you. That's the power of sanctuary. And that's Lincoln. Revel and the Revel logo are trademarks of Harman International Industries, registered in the United States and other countries. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back inside the San Diego Convention Center in the 2016 MLB All-Star Fan Fest. Here, buddy. Craig Elston, John Gennaro, and now Andrew Pure. Andrew Pure is here. What's up, guys? Hi, Andrew. I couldn't hear you at first, but uh, oh, that's because this dial. Yeah, to Craig go from did a little right. maintenance, and uh, now I hear you guys loud and clear. We are here for another fifty-four minutes, and actually an hour fifty-four, because we'll roll directly into the Padres pregame show presented by your San Diego County Lexus dealers. Coming up at twelve o'clock, Padres and Dodgers at one ten. Christian Friedrich versus Kenta Maeda uh, to determine. Whether it's a winning or losing road trip for Swinging Friars, the Red Hot Swinging Friars, number one average in Major League Baseball since the 1st of June, Andrew. This team has been hitting at such a fun clip. It it makes for so much more entertaining baseball when you're hitting and scoring runs. Guys, I want to know, before coming down here, I thought about this. Now that I'm here and you guys have had a solid two hours on the air, did you make the Padres great again? I think so. Or do we have two more hours to do that? Oh no! It's, <laughs> it's a long process. Craig, Craig keeps saying we will be here until one o'clock. I'm out of here at twelve. Uh, Craig is going to be diamond notes. You're going to yeah. stay for diamond notes, right? Sure, but See? maybe. No, so here, I, I'm, I got a good feeling we might be able to convince John because yeah. uh, here was my point in the John first in the, the first radio. hour. My point in the first hour was the Padres might they're they're on their way to greatness and they actually might be better than we actually think they are right now. So I looked it up. They have three players in the Futures game. And in 2012, they technically had three players on the Futures roster, but Grandall didn't play. I went all the way back to 2004 and couldn't find another time when the Padres had three players on the Futures roster. So young-wise, youth-wise, prospect-wise, they were already set up pretty nicely. And then I was looking, and if you look at Ross, Kashner, Shields, combined record of 5-15 and this year— and they're all 29 and older. If you compare that to Pomerantz, Colin Ray, Christian Friedrich, all 28 and younger, 
They're 17-14. and 14. So this team is already at the point where, like, they're pretty young, they're performing pretty well, and they have a, a wave of talent that's on its way. At this point, you're just waiting to clear out some guys like Norris and Kemp, if you can, and Melvin Upton, and I, I guess John Jay, you're just waiting for his contract to really run out. But you're just waiting to sort of clear up space. I think we're closer to being maybe not great again, but I think the Padres are closer to being competitive, a 500 ball club, than we even think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hate on that. You know, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, and that's sort of the question where A.J. Preller is right now and how he evaluates and approaches this next year is how quickly can this team turn around. And it's kind of a tricky question because you got to think, too, like we talk about how good the offense has been since June. I mean, Melvin Upton Jr. is a huge part of that. Yes, sir. A huge part of that. Norris, too. Derek Norris has come back on. I mean, say what you will about Matt Kemp, but he's still got 16 home runs and 50-plus RBIs. And, you know, we can talk about the on-base percentage and the, and the defense, but, I mean, he's producing at the plate, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not not doing his job. Can't right? stat star. So, Matt Kemp. But we talk again about all the, the outfield help and, and the depth, at least from a position player standpoint, in the minor leagues. And eventually these guys are going to have to get consistent at-bats. We talk about Alex Dickerson. And so it's kind of like, well, okay, if you get rid of the pieces that are actually working for you now and give some of these young, talented players a chance, when will they produce and if they will produce? Now, here, here's the thing. We talk about talented young players, guys, on this Padres roster. Let's draw a line between position players and pitchers. Yes. Because where is the young pitching talent in the Padres organization? It's it's just not there right now. And that's part of the reason that I would take a Melvin Upton and a Derek Norris and I would trade them uh, the same way you just did with Fernando Rodney to get young pitching prospects. Yes, that, you that have is, to. That's the one thing that is severely lacking in their farm system. And when you look at this season, I mean, you can see the young pitchers have been pretty good. But, you know, we were overly reliant on old guys like Cash, like Shields, like Ross even. If you can build more guys that are, you know, 25, 26, 27 and talented and up with the Padres in the next year or two, that's going to go a long way towards making them competitive. All right. Now, I'll I'll throw out maybe this is too old a a reference, but seeing as we're at the All-Star Fan Fest, maybe it will stick because we're in a baseball audience right here. Um, If you go back to the Twins of the mid-80s, okay. they had a group of position players that came up and grew up together while their team was bad and while their pitching was terrible. And I'm thinking about Kirby Puckett and Tom Bernanski and Kent Herbeck and Gary Gaetti and Greg Gagne. Okay. You know, the, the core of that Minnesota Twins team that went on to win the World's Championship in 1987-1991, right? That team grew up as a bad team in the mid-80s, but the position players were there in the big leagues learning and getting their at-bats and getting better. Yeah. And it was when the pitching clicked in with one homegrown guy in Frankie Viola, and then you bring in a veteran like a Burt Blylevin and then later Jack Morris, of course, in 1991. You bring in the veteran arms. When the pitching came around, the Twins were able to succeed. You know, they trade for a Jeff Reardon to close things out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that young position player group came up, and they were fun, and the, and the Twins fans were able to kind of fall in love with that group, and then they got good together. The pitching came, boom. They go from worst to first yeah. uh, in the major leagues. That's what I could really see with this Padres group. I could see a situation where, let's say next year, okay, 
Austin Hedges is playing all the time and developing, and Renfro and Dickerson are playing and developing, and you start to see the trickle of the minor. You see that position player talent. You know, Myers continues to grow, etc. But there's just really nothing in the pitching cupboard. Yeah. And so the Padres really struggle in terms of their wins and losses in 2017, but they're building that position player group, and it's getting better, it's getting solid, and then when the pitching comes, boom, the light switches, and it goes from bad to good in a hurry. So this brings me back to my question that we were faced with yesterday, and we never really came to any sort of consensus on, which is, do you want to hold on to Drew Pomerantz for him to be the one good pitcher of, of a bad staff next year, or do you trade him away, accept the fact that your staff's going to be a crapshoot, probably not a good one, and know that whatever you get back can probably help improve your team in more than one way in two years when that crop of pitchers might just show up? I'm thinking you got to – it's still a tough question, but and I'm leaning – I could go either way, but I would have to say I'm leaning toward keeping Drew Pomeranz, and this is why. Because you're not going to have teams like the New York Mets, for example, that have a just – string of young, talented pitchers that come up and produce basically right away like a DeGrom or a Syndergaard, right? right. Most guys are going to, if you come across gems like a Jake Arrieta, where it's going to take a few years, or in this case, Drew Pomeranz, three, four years into the big league, still young and promising, it's going to be like that type of player for the most part, right? I mean, you're not going to just get a guy like even a street Steven Strasburg who comes in and dominates year one that he makes the major league roster. Makes sense. So... I'm still, if we're of the thinking that this team, from a position player standpoint, is probably a year and a half, two years away from being competitive with some of these young, talented guys, I think a guy like Drew Pomerantz, who's 27 years old and you got control for two more years, you may want to hold on to because you're going to still need young, experienced pitchers in the top of your rotation. And after our discussion yesterday, John, you thought more I'd about like it. to give Mr. Gennaro credit. Because yesterday, Andrew, when you and I were sitting here and John brought it up, I was I was on the fence but leaning toward keep Pomerantz. It's it's the Ross Kashner argument that takes me over to the other side. I believe the Padres should trade Drew Pomerantz this month. I think they should trade him for peak value because we're going to stick with that phrase, sell high. We are trying to make the Padres great again. Read the hat. Not 75 wins great. Not 10 straight years of winning somewhere between 74 and 78 games great. That's not great. That's mediocre. Pushing it to 83 wins doesn't do me anything. That doesn't move the needle. You're trying to win championships. And therefore, I'm putting almost every personnel decision under this prism Is this player going to be part of the next great Padres team? It's very hard to make the argument that Drew Pomerantz will be part of a great Padres team. If he is, it's it's in the early years of an extension that he signs to stay in San Diego. Yeah. But the Ross Kashner argument is, what could you have gotten for Andrew Kashner two years ago? Or Tyson Ross, a year ago, when he was an all-star and was controllable for two more years compared to what you can get right now, which is absolutely nothing. Nothing. You can't get a thing for Tyson Ross right now. Right. And trading Drew Pomerantz right now might bring you three players 
mm -hmm. of whom one or two of those might be those young pitchers that help flip the franchise from, from bad to good in a hurry. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and this is why I'm not 100% sold on keeping Pomeranz because of that. I, I do think the value is probably at its highest right now, particularly as teams gear up for down the stretch and decide you know where they're at in the playoff picture and if they have a legitimate shot. But let me ask you guys this. Given the way last year went and with this new ownership and having the All-Star game here, when you have a young lefty like this, which are extremely hard to come by in the major leagues, What's the PR consequence of trading him? Do we care? I don't know. I'm just posing the question right. because, I mean, that's going to totally fall under. Well, here goes ownership. I hear what John says. Here goes ownership. Trading away young, right. another young player that right. we could have had. And, right. like, that's just the way it's going to 100% be perceived, even though this is a new ownership group for the last few years. Well, there's two answers. Number one, uh, fan bases are always upset when you get rid of players. It doesn't matter who the player is. He can be the worst player in your team. You get rid of him, fans are upset. Oh, they're giving up on whatever. But for those that have been paying attention, they've heard Peter Seidler, Ron Fowler, Mike D say, we're going to compete in two years, maybe three. To me, that, that made it easy for them to trade Fernando Rodney because they could yes. go... He was, he's not going to be here in two years. He's not going to be here in three. And I think you could look at Drew Pomeranz and say, in two or three years, that guy is going to be a, a little bit more expensive than what we're looking for, and we don't want to waste the next two years. I think they could make the sell-high argument. Look, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here. The Padres have done this before. They've sold high on an older pitcher to get two younger pitchers. They sold... Mike Adams to the Texas Rangers to get Robbie Erlin and Zach Eflin. And right? no, 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 it was Robbie Erlin and ah, I wish. Oh, I Joe Whelan and Joe, Joe Whelan. Sorry, Joe Whelan. And, and neither one of those guys have really panned out the way you thought. So you got rid of a dominant pitcher for two guys, eighth inning pitcher, yeah. eighth inning pitcher for two guys you thought were potential number twos, number threes. Neither one of them really panned out. So that's the other side. Even if you trade them away for prospects, it might not work out. But I think everyone agreed when the Padres did it with Mike Adams. Some were upset that they got rid of Mike Adams, but I think everyone agreed for the long-term health of the franchise, that was the right move. And to me, even though Pomerantz is significantly younger than Adams, he's a starter, to me it's the same situation. Yeah. I think you could – I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but, I mean, it's different. You saw Luke Gregerson coming in. You're talking about an eighth-inning right-handed reliever. You're not talking about a controllable, young, left-handed starting pitcher who's now an all-star. Yeah. So – you know, again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's a tricky situation to well, be in. Here's but. my here's my response. The Padres, for far too long and to their detriment, have made too many baseball operations decisions worrying about public relations. Yep. And I'm going to go right back to July 31 last year, and I feel like this is now something we can accept as part of the narrative in the world that the Detroit, uh, pardon me, the New York Mets offered Michael Fulmer to the San Diego Padres for Justin Upton. That offer was made before the Cespedes trade, okay, where they traded Michael Fulmer to Detroit for Ioannis Cespedes, okay? The Padres did not want to break up their, you know, what were we calling them at that time, John? The four percenters, right? Fangraphs had them at four percent to make the postseason yeah. on July 31st last year. Yeah. They didn't want to break up the four percenters because they were and we heard it. We heard it on Padres Wednesday, every day part, every week during that month. You know, well, hey, we put too much money and too much effort into this. We can't break this up. 
If you have Michael Fulmer on this roster right now, you're one step closer. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're closer to a quicker turnaround. You might actually have an opportunity for a quicker turnaround if you have a rookie of the year pitcher in your rotation right now, which they could have had. They took a PR stint, a PR tack instead of a baseball ops tack, and they're worse off for it. Well, so what did we I talk don't want about? to do that a year later with the Pomeranz. And what did we talk about they're missing is young pitching. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah so and that's, what, that's the fear is that a year later, you know, we hear Buster Olney's report on August 2nd, right? Well, the Padres were offered, you know, A, B, and C right. for Pomerantz and turned him down. Well, and then Pomerantz is on the shelf next yeah. year, and we're going, ah! And if it falls under the quick turnaround premise, then yes, that's a move they probably should have made. But that pick also, or letting, keeping Upton led to another pick in the first round, which Which gives you Lauer. Lauer. I want to say it was Lauer. So it doesn't fit the quick turnaround thing, but three, well, this guy also is, they project, or what we're hearing about him is a guy who's maybe a year, two years away from the bigs. And then he has to perform. Here's the other thing. Right, right, right. right. Here's the other thing. Assuming assuming the Padres aren't going to compete for two years, and you keep saying Pomerantz is a young lefty, and I get that, but he's 27, he's going to be 28 in just a couple of months. By the time the Padres are ready to compete, he's 30. 30 is when they start, pitchers start going on their, their decline a little bit, and it's also when they start getting more expensive. When, when all of a sudden the value proposition is not there anymore. You have to overspend to keep him. So I don't know that I necessarily want to deal with that in two years. No, it's it's something they're going to have to think about. Yeah. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not necessarily leaning hard one way or the other. But if I'm going to play devil's advocate in that, I'm going to say, yes, he's going to be 29 by the time he becomes a free agent. But this is the first year he's thrown starters innings. Right. So he's no, not had. He's not had. He'll be 30. Or 30, Cause, whatever. Cause but he, I'm just saying, you know. He turns 28 in uh, the beginning of November. Look at a guy like Syndergaard and DeGrom come up at 24, 25, and yeah. they're just throwing starters innings right away. Drew Pomeranz may have three years of big league experience, but hasn't done that until this year. Right. So, you know, just again, something to think about. Right. Well, and I think if you keep your all-star, you've got an easy PR, right? Yeah. Don't you? Hey, you know, here's Pomerantz. We're building around Pomerantz. And then if you trade him in the winter, it's like, eh, you know, hopefully they weren't paying attention because we're worried about something else at that time. But, uh, you know, trading him right now might be peak value. At this yeah. point, and t- tying it all the way back, John, because we've got to take a break, tying it all the way back to what we talked about at the very beginning of today's show. I've crossed the Rubicon now with the number of good moves that A.J. Preller has made over the last few months to the point where now I kind of trust he's that gonna he's going to make the right choice. I don't think anymore that he's going to have somebody looking over his shoulder this trade deadline going, no, 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 don't do this. Oh, are you getting enough value? Don't do that. Don't do this. Do this. Do that. You know, I think now he's going to get the free swing, and I think that free swing means if he gets the value, he's going to pull the trigger, and if he doesn't, he won't. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I like I agree. I feel a lot better about the direction under A.J. Preller now the last four, five, six months and the way things have transpired than a year ago, for yeah. sure. Let's take a break, guys. 11.22. We are live from FanFest. we got the Padres pregame show coming up at 12 o'clock. And do a little work on that during this time out right here as we continue uh, until 12 with this talk show. Craig Elston, John Gennaro, Andrew Buer here with you from the convention center on the Mighty 1090. Sign. This guy is a turbo signer. He is a machine. He gets the job done. 
a veteran in the in every sense of the word. Veteran signer, veteran Cy Young winner, Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Hey, I have a question for you. Since you're doing the Padres pregame and then you're watching the Padres doing the Padres postgame, yeah. you're not going to have the chance to go there, but will you be paying attention to the Futures game? I will absolutely have it on uh, at the studio. The palatial mighty 1090 studio. The palatial studios. 1090 studio. And then uh, are we carrying it on 1700? I don't believe so. We are not. Well, then I won't listen to it on the way home. All right. <laughs> Will you be checking afterwards to see Absolutely. how the Padres' young prospects do in the game? Sure. Okay. And, and, I, and you know what it is? It's a cherry on top, right? Yeah. So it's one of those things where, I mean, you know, hey, if you tell me tomorrow that, that Hunter Renfro goes 0 for 2 and Manny Margot goes 0 for 1, whatever. Trade him. Trade him. Right? I'm not going to care. <laughs> and if you tell me that they go two for two and, you know, someone wins Futures MVP, I'm not going to say, well, that's the clearest sign. Their future. If you call them up. Call them up now, right now. We're great now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've, so. we've accomplished our goal. But it's awesome, as you've mentioned multiple times. You have three representatives there. And uh, I, I think it's a cool game. And I love it because it's, you know, face forward. And that's what you've always got to be as a sport and as a culture. And, and you've seen over the years that, that great players, future All-Stars, play in this Futures game. They have in the past. They, there's a good chance that one or two of them are on the field today. That's why, yeah. I'm, that's why I'm excited that there are three Padres in there this year. Will and, Myers was a Futures game guy. There you go. And, and Manny Margot is a very, very young representative to be in the Futures game, in AAA, like, Andrew was just talking about all those young players that uh, came up for the Mets, the pitchers that came up at a very young age. Manny Margot is not far away from being in the majors, and he's, what, 21 years old? That's about three years ahead of schedule for most players. Yeah, he could be their center fielder or at least fighting for it against Jankowski next year. Yeah. yeah. Seems like it. Speaking of which, Travis Jankowski, I, I just feel, is a player that just doesn't get talked about very much when we talk about young players and prospects in the system. He was my trivia question to you earlier. Oh, that's, yes, yes. The two players who were not uh, acquired by A.J. Preller who were top ten in war yeah. on the Padres. Yeah, he's so far this year, even though it's very limited amount of opportunities, he's ninth on the team and wins above replacement. That's impressive. He's been impressive this year. I, I agree. He, he has, in again, in limited opportunities, he has exceeded my expectations for who he is at this point. He really looks to me, Andrew, to be a plus defender and a double-plus base runner. And now you're talking about can he just remotely hit? And this year he's absolutely remotely hit. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, he's gone beyond remotely. He's hit. Well, and he's getting on base a little bit more, too. That's and the I'm guy saying. makes things happen at the top of the lineup. I mean, you could bunt him, you know, on a swinging third strike. He's yeah. got a good shot to make it to first base. He can't shift on him. Yeah, he can't shift on him. I mean, he's a threat on the base pass. He's got 14 stolen bases this year and 100 plate appearances. Wow. I mean, we're talking about that's Melvin nuts. Upton having 20 yeah. and, like, 250. If Jankowski started throughout the year, that's a, what, 50-plus yeah. steals. Guy, yeah. Crazy, right? So yeah. uh, That's a very valuable player. He's definitely making the most of his opportunity. And But, again, you know, we, we talk about Melvin Upton and this trade deadline coming, and now Alex Dickerson's up. 
Andy Green still has this sort of like playing time conundrum, you know? Right, it's right. Like, what do you do? And if and if Upton gets shipped out, you're like, oh, now he can play. And then John Jay will walk right back into the locker room <laughs> right. and take the center field spot back. Hey, by the way, before we go any further, I just want to note the man with the San Diego Gulls cap. That is a supporter the of the nice. San Diego Gulls. Go Gulls. That is awesome. He's not even paying attention. October 14th, home opener, season two. Hockey's back. Thank you for wearing the hat, sir. Thank you for supporting San Diego's American Hockey League professional team, the San Diego Gulls. Right there. A fan just like Trevor. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, The only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hoffman. That's right. Trevor Hoffman. Trevor fan. came over yesterday. First thing he wanted to talk about was going to a Gulls game. Who doesn't love the Gulls? The Gulls. Do you? Ah, see, we got a, we got a Chicago Wolves slash Gulls fan. But rocking the hockey at Fan Fest. Loving it. Loving it. Thank you for supporting our AHL San Diego Gulls. Boom. Boom. We get a little Gulls drop in. I know. Right well, I th- I'm surprised we didn't get to it yesterday. But well, you know, a little I, just, bit there. I just like to throw in a few uh, gratuitous uh, plugs here and there. How's the squad looking this year? Well, you know, we don't have a squad right now, Andrew. Why because not? Uh, right it, now it's the summer, so they're all Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, oh. the Ducks have to push the players down. How's the projected squad looking? Well, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of talented youth. On the Gulls this year, I, I think uh, I, I'm waiting to hear a couple more veteran names that might fill the roster. The nature of the AHL is that you can have six veterans uh, on your roster, and I don't know that they're necessarily at the six yet. So I think there might be one or two coming. I'm really bummed that Chris Mueller left and, and signed with Ari Siegel's Tucson Roadrunners. That yeah. uh, dang that Ari! Dang he, that Ari! He, he plucked a, he plucked our top scorer, um, but. With that said, there's another wave coming. You talk about waves of talent, tying it back to baseball in our Padres talk. There's another wave coming from the Ducks right now that's about to touch down in terms of kids coming from Sweden and kids coming out of juniors. So I think uh, that wave kind of – there's a bunch of kids that came up for the last few games of the regular season, and I think that's kind of going to be part of the core of this year's team. Uh, the kids that came out of college last year, Cali Kosala. Yeah, I remember Devin you talking about a lot of those guys yeah. who were signed for the ending part of the yeah, year. Yeah, they were amateur right. tryouts right, last right, right. year, and, and they're gonna cool. they're pros cool. now. So uh, I, I think that'll be interesting. Plus, uh, our goalie situation is pretty much settled yeah. now because the Ducks just traded for Jonathan Bernier. From my, my favorite hockey player, by the way. Is he really? For a completely backwards reason. Why? Did you ever hear about him at the Nelson Mandela event? No. So he went to a Nelson Mandela remembrance event after Nelson Mandela passed away and had no idea who he was. And they had a red carpet, and so someone got a mic in front of him and said, you know, give us your thoughts on Nelson Mandela. And he said, well, you know, he he paved the way for all of us. He was a hell of a hockey player. And and, and it's, it's one of the greatest quotes of all time. Confused that, it was Stan Makita. He's that, just like, Makita, Mandela. He, 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 figured, he figured he's at the event. They're asking him about it. Nelson Mandela must have been a hockey player. 
It's wow. fantastic. If if you oh. just go look for it on YouTube, I believe there's a video of it. It's just the well, best. I mean, they do like yeah. the field hockey in South Africa. Yeah, there you so. go. So with yeah. Bernier, now you've got John Gibson and and and, and Bernier uh, as probably the top two in Anaheim, and uh, the the. Ducks have already re-signed Dustin Tokarski, who they traded for last year and got injured three games in as a goalie. They still have Matt Hackett on a contract for another year. So looks like Tokarski and Hackett as, as the netminders. In Hackett was great. In the, the last round of the playoffs. Yeah, in the last round of the playoffs. He had like three games in a row that he was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and Tukarski is a guy who's been really good in the AHL in the past and has had some NHL taste. And they traded Max Freeberg for him last year. And then he, he got run into and his knee got blown out uh, like January 3rd. Okay. And, and that was it for Dustin for last year. But he's back. So uh, probably strong in net. Uh, they also signed uh, a guy off the rain. I love when you sign a top player from the opponent. Just love that. Especially the rain. Especially I mean, the rain. Especially the and rain. And Jeff Schultz is uh, not only a talented veteran defenseman. Was he one of the ones who was seven feet tall? Yes. yes. He's seven foot tall on skates. That was the problem that the Gulls had in that, that series was they just got, they were too small. Yeah, but Schultz is this human eraser. He just, yeah. he basically like, oh, you're coming into the zone? Not anymore. I think I you're saw, done. I think I saw him in one of the, one of those playoff games I went to. He was the guy skating around looking for a fight. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's gigantic. And he's actually, he's a really clean player. He once led the NHL in plus minus as a defenseman. That's, the NHL. That's awesome. So, uh, Schultz, will be uh, part of the team this year, and, and I'm very excited about that. And this that. is, I mean, I know you always say, look, minor league uh, sports uh, year in, year out can change. You know, you're not building the foundation of the Gulls. The, gull, the Gulls are part of the foundation for the Ducks. Precisely. So depending how things go at other levels and, and with the Ducks, de- it, you know, that determines the, the talent level with the Gulls. But I'll say, as someone who, you know, kind of got back into hockey last year with it being in San Diego, Dallas is a hell of a coach. Yeah, Dallas Eakins, our coach, and, is something else. And if, if he gets any amount of talent on that roster, which I think he will because the Ducks are a very talented team that will be pushing guys down, Dallas will make the most of it. Well, and then keep in mind, uh, I think one of the big parts of why the Ducks, uh, the Gulls were so good in the second half last year is you looked at the development of some of their young wingers, and I'm looking at Nick Kurdilis, Stefan Nason, players who in the first half of the season really struggled for the Gulls, and then they came on, and then you know Nick uh, suffered a, an upper body injury, so to speak, uh, and, and he was knocked out for the playoffs. Uh, Nason, you know, he's going to be fighting for a, a starting winger's spot, a, a fourth-line spot with the, with the Ducks next year, but if not, He'll be back, and I think those young guys getting better. Uh, Andre Casse is another player I'd put in that, the, the young Czech who uh, was injured for the first half of last year. I think he could be one of their top-line scorers uh, this season as well. So Dallas Eakins turns those young players into better players, and Marty Wilford throw him and Brett Ferguson and the assistant coaching staff uh, into, into better players, and that allows the Gulls to get better from the start of the year to the end of the year. I think we'll see those players take another step forward Absolutely. Uh, in 2016-17 and become more reliable scorers, and therefore you, know, you can put a little bit more of the load on them. Definitely. So, Should that, be fun. Little, oh, little Gulls talk. little hockey yeah. talk. Felt, I mean, I, we can keep cool this going. Refreshing. That felt like a cool, refreshing break. I have a question if we want to bring it back kind of around the whole stadium issue. Hey, all right. Let's, Let's, do, it. Let's do, it. do that. Okay. I like it. So, Craig, being the awesome insider that you are, mm. what do the Ducks know about the sports arena and its future, right? Because we've talked about that being city-owned land just like yeah. Mission Valley. Yeah. And I know it's kind of died now that the Mission Valley plan has sort of – Died, I guess. Well, if this you is will. this is an important note. 
the people that are proposing the arena in Seaport Village Thank are the you. people that own the sports arena yes, now. Yes, sir. That's AEG. AEG owns and operates the sports arena. Of course, the Han family still involved uh, at the sports arena, but it's AEG that operates that building. And it's AEG that has the most dazzling of the six proposals for what to do with the Embarcadero, the, right. the current Seaport Village space, uh, and that is to transform it into SD Live, and into a you know a, a version of what they have in LA yep. with Staples Center and with surrounding sports entertainment complex, probably an outdoor staging area, promenade, etc. You know, maybe we move the station down there. Who knows? You know. Can I? And I hate to say this, but being the San Diego pessimist that I am, that just sounds so awesome and too good to be true. Well, like, here's the I'm best part. Like, like, I don't even want to rally around it because I'm like, there's just no way. Well, here's the best part, though, Andrew, and, and, yeah. this is a get, well, and this kind of really does tie back to the conversation. Mm-hmm. What makes this so exciting is that AEG would just build it. Yeah. They'd just build there's no, it. There's That's no the reliance on, on hotels. Yeah. And there's no reliance right. on taxpayer money. The city approves this proposal over the other five, and that's what happens. Well, and what happens to the sports arena? It's bought, sent back to the city, turned into dust. You and that's, know, and that's, that's a big reason why you don't see people with the same complaints about this potential arena that you do the stadium. Biggest complaints I always hear about a potential downtown Charger Stadium. Think of the traffic. Think of the parking. If I'm putting an arena and at and, and San Diego Live in Seaport Village, the, the parking and the traffic is already a nightmare there. Nah, you're right. Now, now I'm going to bring 20,000 people. It's going to be terrible. But if they're going to build it for free, we'll deal. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, right? We'll figure it yeah, out. We'll, we'll figure deal. it out. Absolutely. There's parking spots. You yeah. Know? There's, there's a way to handle it. How we'll bust I, I gotta be, and, and, and you know what? To that, to that point, yeah. I think it's fair to bring this up. As a guy who's been here long term, when the discussion about Petco Park and Prop C during that debate. Oh, the, the parking. Oh, the it was one of the number one critiques yeah. and negative comments against building Petco Park was the downtown is going to be turned into a soup. It's going to be horrible. And I have found the opposite to be the case. Oh, it's, it's open downtown up. Completely. It is open yeah. downtown up, and people scatter to the four corners yep. from Petco. They come in from the four corners, and they scatter to the four corners, and you just don't have traffic problems around Petco Park major events. Thank you. In, inside the final hour of the, you know, before the event. Yeah. You now, things will jam up in the last hour, and even which, is then what, it's, which is what you should expect. And even then, right. it's right around the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. That that so, so that never came true. It's not, it's not like that doesn't happen at Qualcomm Stadium now, or it didn't happen with games with Padre games at Qualcomm Stadium right. either. So. I know, right? It's like you could go park at Qualcomm, but getting out of there, you oh, it's take a you an hour and a half anyway. Right. I mean, so it's and, like, and oh, the parking's there, but okay, it's still a and jam. And there's going to be public transit options. I guarantee you, you yeah. know, oh, hey, take the line, you know, take the truck, park at the queue and, and take it down or park at the new MLS stadium and take it down. You know, I, there's going to be ways to – we'll get around the parking. Yeah. No, we'll, get around, you know, we'll, we'll get around the parking. I, that's what makes that so exciting, that AEG. I, I think it's great. And you know what? Ha- with having AEG on board, it's a big enough company with enough financial strength that they can go up against some of the challenges from the legal standpoint that you know are inevitably going to come if that plan well, were to be presented. They've built countless stadiums right. in, in uh, Southern California even. You know, not just LA Live and the Staples Center. I believe they also built the Nokia Theater there. Um, they built uh, what I think is now called the StubHub Center where the, the LA Galaxy yeah, right. play. Uh, so 
they understand the what needs to be done legally, financially to get a stadium built. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd argue there's no one better in California to want to build an arena in your city. And, and what comes with that is so exciting to me, you know, from and hey, by the way, just tossing it out there. But, you know, the Sam Welly family that owns the Anaheim Docks and, and their H&S Ventures, you know, the Honda Center, uh, operating that facility. Who's to say they don't get involved in, in a brand-new arena yeah, downtown? Yeah, true. Yeah. And, and you're talking about one of the great sports ownership families in the country. You know, across the four major sports, the Samuelis, you just can't find a negative word said well, about what they've done. And with the Ducks and with the Gulls. And this is this is a point that I bring up. And yes, they, you know, they're great, great ownership family. But business is business. The Honda Center is a pretty old facility. And if they wanted to build an NHL level arena or help with it in San Diego, and kind of hint at the city of Anaheim, like, hey. Help us build something new here. Otherwise, we're just going down the road to San Diego where we're not going to lose any of our fan base whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we'll probably attract even more fans than what we have right now. That could help and them. And we would have primed the pump for years by right. putting our affiliate that, there. That that this could true. That, that could only end up with either them in San Diego or them with a brand-new stadium that they pay you know, maybe 50% for in Anaheim. Yeah, brand-new arena, yeah. I mean, it's... Hey, I just think the possibilities are really exciting. Uh, And you look at that, you look at what could happen to the Mission Valley area when you hear about the Seidler group and and trying to talk about an MLS, NCAA combined stadium. There's a lot of good things to be hopeful for. They they are. They make me encouraged to be a San Diego in the next 20 years. Absolutely. And and, and to see the future of sports. And, And that's with or without the Convadium. Right, right, right. Because even, you know, MLS and San Diego State Stadium and Mission Valley would be very, very hopeful. Like all the things that, you know, are being talked about right now. I just hope the vast majority of them pass because as a San Diego sports fan, I want more professional sports teams and arenas and stadiums in San Diego to make it more of a a full-time, year-round thing to be a sports fan here. And just if I was doing triage as a San Diegan on our facilities... For everything that we say about Qualcomm, what about the sports arena? Oof. <laughs> you know, I mean, for everything we say about Qualcomm, right. what about the sports arena? Well, at least the sports arena has a legit uh, scoreboard now. Scoreboard. Absolutely. I mean, thanks to the renovations right, done by right. AEG and by the Ducks. Yeah. You know, so I mean, we got we got that going for us. So uh, yeah, it's it's better. Yeah. It's better. The yeah. nineteen thousand seat two thousand seventeen version or two thousand eighteen version of that. Would be a lot better. A lot better. A well, lot it, better. It, they basically talked about building another stable center to go with, right. you know, quote unquote SD Live. So obviously, stable center is a step up from the Valley View Casino Center. And now you're talking about every single non stadium act. Once you get beyond the Taylor Swift Stadium Act level. Oh, yeah. Now you're talking about. Every single one of the arena and, level, and a, and a lot oh, yeah. of those, a lot of those tours right now will bypass San Diego. Right? And they go, you know, the people in San Diego they want to see us. They can drive up to LA. Right. We build them a world class facility. They're coming. AEG facility yeah. on the seafront. They're coming. Done. 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 Sign me up. Yeah. Come yeah. in. That's it's beautiful. We got to take our last break. 
11.45 is the time. We'll come back to put a bow on this bad boy and then flip the switch to Padres pregame presented by your San Diego County Lexus dealers, Padres and Dodgers at 1. This is your home of the All-Star Game, San Diego Sports Leader, the Mighty 10 Night. Eleven fifty. Welcome back. Final segment. Our make the Padres great again. Slash. Talk a lot of San Diego stadium and arena issues. Yeah. Broadcast. This has been fun. All the news of the day. Yeah. A little San Diego sports talk show. Yeah. I imagine that. Craig Elston, John Gennaro, Andrew Bure. By the way, you can catch John's daily San Diego sports podcast. Generally speaking, which will uh, kick back up tomorrow morning if he's in the mood. I, I always am. Always in the mood. And uh, that you can find on the Mighty 1090 app or iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. Uh, And you can find Make the Padres Great Again, our weekly podcast with John and myself, uh, on all of those same platforms. And if you can, please subscribe. Please give them positive ratings. All of those things help in the grand scheme of things. They do. Although, um, even though you were... Razzing me earlier, saying we should have done a Make the Padres Great Again podcast. Oh, it's a fact, not a rat. This, this past week, or that we should do one next week, or that we should do one every week. I, I really, I'm, I'm feeling like it's Friday, and there's a three-day weekend coming up. I know there's a Padres game today, and I'll probably watch some of it before I go off to the Futures game, because I'm planning on doing that today. But I'm just ready for the break. And I imagine the players and the coaches got to be feeling the same way, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're at the point now, right, Andrew? I mean, yeah. and here's the thing. It changes even more about a month from now. Because I think there's a serious push until the trade deadline. Yeah. And then once guys get moved and things kind of settle in. Once you hit August 1, it's, it's settled down. Cause it's you dog know, days time. You, you know what the next two months are going to be. Yep. I mean, that's really all there is to it. <laughs> got nothing else to add to that. Then, yes, I'm ready for the break, and I know the players are, and it's sort of this final push in July. And uh, we're going to see where this franchise is headed uh, come August 2nd. It's August 1st trade deadline. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah because August the 31st falls deadline. on a Sunday, I believe. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Okay, They so, didn't want the Padres to lose that day, so, right. yeah. <laughs> so they moved. Okay, so I know we've talked about whether or not – you know, you guys would trade Drew Pomerantz um, and, you know, somewhat differing opinions. Is there anyone else on the roster that you would even think about, like, saying no to? No to a trade? Yeah. Will Myers. Well, yeah, besides Will Myers. Yeah, I mean. Well, let's just put him on the is there Is there anything that would convince you, if you're A.J. Peller, to trade Will Myers this year? If I could get Trey Turner and Joe Ross back <laughs> in a two-for-one deal. <laughs> and I'd probably make the deal. That's probably short of that. Look, as as much as look, Will Myers is is an all star, and he's been uh, very good. But he's significantly less valuable as a first baseman than he would have been if he was a, a halfway decent defensive corner outfielder or center fielder, like they made him, or even third baseman, like they even flirted with the idea of making him. There's a lot of first basemen out there that can hit like Will Myers. There just are. So at this point, the fact that they moved him to first base, you've given up any hope of getting that kind of value back for him ever again. Because what you were trading for was not a first baseman, right? When they traded for Will Myers, they didn't didn't say first baseman. That's fair, but I think I need to throw in there when you say that, that Andrew, he currently leads all National League first basemen and wins above replacement. That's true. So I... 
When we say, yeah, lots of guys can hit like him, but he also runs. Yeah. He, you know, he steals bases. He's hitting for power. He's, he's according been, to the metrics, been a pretty fielding really well. Baseman, yes. Correct. Uh, and while I think you can watch him pick balls out of the dirt and say that's still an area of concern and yeah. something he can work on is the scoop. Now, he's certainly not Adrian on the scoop. He's doing it on range, so... His value as a first baseman is pretty high. I think, I, yeah, I think it's still there for sure. I, I just think, don't think you're ever going to get back a package like Trey Turner and Joe Ross for him. Not at first base. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't think a package of Trey Turner and Joe Ross probably was ever worth Will Myers. That's you know, even, even two years ago. Yeah, you're probably Good right. Point. Yeah. Well, and but we got him now, those kind so of deals also don't come around all that often. Right. I right? mean, we've I got mean, him now, so it's like that's spilt milk. You know. I yeah. Mean, I've just I've seen enough of these players that can hit but they can't field and they're turned into pretty good first basemen that I, I guess I don't have as high a value on Will Myers as a lot of people do and, and I'm probably wrong about that. You know, right now he's the best thing going on with the Padres out you know, on an everyday basis. So obviously you want to hold on to that. Well and we also talk about the PR side of this as well, and I do believe there should be a firewall yeah. between. But one thing that if you are going to go on a strategy of we're going to put together young position players, the pitching's not going to be there until it comes together. Maybe Morajon is the guy who leads that wave. Well, here in San Diego, Andrew, we've a lot of us have grown up used to, hey, we can come out and watch Tony Gwynn hit. This is true. And, and the Padres aren't going to be that great, but we can watch Tony Gwynn hit. And to say right now, hey, I can go out and watch Will Myers hit, is something true about coming to the Padres. I I agree. It's just my only question, and I'll bring it back to the Pomerantz argument I had. Is this his peak? And if so, do you sell high? I don't know if this is his peak. I don't think you can say it's his peak right now. You think Uh Will Myers can be better than what he's been the first half of this year? I mean, he's 25 years old. It's the first season he's healthy. It's true. You know, I mean, and his numbers are continually getting better, actually, since the start of June. It's true. So, I mean, he's really been on a tear. I'm not not saying this is his peak. Yeah. I was just wondering. Yeah, But I'm kind of with you guys. I think he still has some room to grow. And especially, as Craig mentioned, especially defensively at first base. Absolutely. But to go back to your original question, I'm not sure that outside of Will Myers that anybody on this roster is untradeable. Yeah, just him and Pomerantz, and that's about it. I think I think you'd have to go back down to the minors with guys like Hedges and, and Renfro that you'd want to hold on to, consider yeah. them sort of untradeable. Well, gentlemen, our time is up. It went fast, and it was fun. It was awesome. want to say thanks once again to Jordan Gray, John Browner, our Padres Mighty 1090 promotion staff here. John Gennaro, Andrew Buer, and of course Adam Clark, the real back hero. In the studio. Adam Clark. He is you the real MVP. Yeah. AC, you the real MVP. For all of the above, I'm Craig Elston. Stay tuned. Padres pregame show is next, right here on the Mighty Ten. This week's show is brought to you by SportsBettingDime.com, your source for the latest odds, betting trends, matchup analysis, and advice. SportsBettingDime.com provides the coverage fans need to bet with confidence every time. Follow along for breaking news and explore tools that make it easy to find the biggest money makers and best odds. Their future trackers cover every major league and more, so you always know who has the best shot at the title. Whenever you want to get in the game, SportsBettingDime.com has the action covered from every angle. Check it out at SportsBettingDime.com. Me, 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 but also you. 
The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.